Aloha. This is Think Tech Hawaii's show, the state of the state of Hawaii. I'm your host, Stephanie Stoll Dalton. Uh, Jay Fidel is also here today, our CEO at Think Tech Hawaii, and he's a host as well for a very special guest. We are pleased to welcome a uh, representative for District 1 um, and Ooh. District 2 in Ooh. Hawaii, who is, is really uh, starting her career at the U.S. Um, House of Representatives, and we will be we are eager to hear of her early experiences and her plans going forward. Um, Jay um, has um, just begun, I, I mean, D Jill has just begun the duties and we will be um, looking closely at those. And with, with that mentioned, I wanted to ask her um, if she'd start to tell us what her entry has been like, what the entry experience for the first three months has been like into the U.S. House of Representatives. Thank you so much for being here and, and being willing to share. We're very eager to learn from you. Well, welcome, Jill, again, and thank you, Jay, for being here to co-host uh, this show with uh, Representative Jill Takuda, who's from the Hawaii Con who represents Hawaii's Congressional District 2. Yeah, I want to be clear about something, Stephanie. <laughs> I, I would follow Jill anywhere, even to Washington. <laughs> and furthermore, Jill has been on our shows a number of times, including most recently for the Chamber of Commerce and Military Affairs Committee and um, the military affairs organizations that the Chamber runs. So it's a, a delight to see her back again in her new capacity. <laughs> Uh, thank you for coming on, Jill. No, thank you for always having me. It's a pleasure. Well, Jill, can you give us a, a snapshot of your first three months uh, with your highs and lows and other interesting tidbits? Well, I definitely will say it does feel like dog years a bit. Um, it's, it's only been three months, but it's been quite a whirlwind. As many people know, it even took us about four days to be sworn in in the very beginning, 15 solid roll call votes in which we tussled with the new majority um, and really kind of gave us some insight to what the months and the next two years are gonna, gonna look like. So it has definitely been a whirlwind. I will tell you representing the second congressional district, and I know it's confusing for some, we have two congressional districts. Um, mines is all of rural Oahu, Kaneohe where I live and all of the neighbor islands. Um, so it is a very big district. You cannot drive across it. You've got to fly or take a ferry to it, um, but it's been a really wonderful and humbling experience. Um, and I am home as often as I can be. As you can tell right now, we are in the middle of a bit of a recess where we're allowed to come back to district and connect with constituents. I've been home for a week now. Uh, we'll go back on Sunday. But I think I've done about seven trips uh, since I got sworn in in January, back and forth, coming home. Um, if I can even get a few days here, it makes a huge difference. One, yes, for my husband and my two boys, but also to be able to go out and connect with um, all of our constituents throughout the island. That's most important for me. So uh, it's it's been quite a ride so far, Stephanie and Jay. Well, well you, know, you know, Jill, you, you go into the, the crucible there. Um, you're talking about the new leadership, I guess you put it. Um, I, I don't know how I would keep keep my, my feelings in check uh, with the new, quote, leadership. That's what a small L leadership. I mean, these people are um, out of their out of their minds. And they're not doing legislation. They're not adept, you know, they're not looking at public policy. They got the craziest agenda imaginable. 
Uh, how do you deal with that, Jill? How do you hold your <laughs> hold hold your your reaction down when you see this happening? Well, thank you so much for expressing many of my feelings there, Jay. How do you really feel about all of this? Yeah. But <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, We're I will clear tell here. <laughs> I, I will tell you the one really important thing is that um, we never forget where we've come from. I think we're very blessed that we come from a place like Hawaii, where we are really raised on the values of aloha. Um, we are taught that it's so much more than a phrase. It's a way of life. It's the way we treat each other with respect. It in no means is a sign of weakness. It's strength. And I think that's what Congress needs right now. When we take a look at the divisions, the partisan divisions we have, when we understand the fact that the, the victims in all of this are the people that we've been elected to represent and to serve and to help, you know, we've got to do better. They deserve better. We all do. And so, you know, for myself, I will tell you, it is a long trip home, 12 hours each way, but it is a constant wonderful reminder of why we fight, mm. why we have got to continue to stand up there in D.C. for the most basic things that our families and our constituents and communities need right now. And uh, is it easy being in the minority? Absolutely not. Uh, 12 years in the state Senate, I was a super majority. But I will tell you, um, it reminds me every day when we go there and we see the kind of legislation being put up and we see the arguments or lack thereof that they're making, um, it really reminds us why we got to fight, why we have to fight and be present. How do you do that? How, how do you do that? I mean, for example, there's Marjorie Taylor Greene doing some bizarre things. Yes. You wonder whether she finished grade school. You really do. And, uh, and what grade school that was. Um, but th don't you want to, to say, look, Marjorie can... Can we just have a moment in, in you know, in the hallway here? Uh, let me explain to you the meaning of the word rational. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you ever want to take her aside and and try to deliver the Hawaii message to her? You, yeah. <laughs> yes, but I but I will tell you what absolutely is, you know, more effective to me really is focusing in on making sure that at the table, that we are providing that voice of reason. We are providing the facts. We are grounding it in something that is real. Uh, and I will say this, that as much as you've got the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Lone Forberts out there just kind of trying to tear this country apart, I really think it's about the democratic unity that you've seen since absolutely day one in our votes for who we thought should be speaker. That is going to help be our force against a new majority, a slim majority, that really, to me, is trying to tear this country apart. So our unity is our strength. Our diversity is our strength. I mean, take a look at Congress right now, at the faces, at the perspectives, at the people we represent. Um, I would say eight out of 10 times, if you're looking at that diversity, you're looking at a Democrat who is there to really make sure that our views are not just represented, but they're acted upon. Um, representation matters. And I can't be more proud of the fact that I'm a part of that class. Well, Jill, tell us about your uh, entry into the committees. Did you choose them? Did they select you? How were you received? Where do you, mm -hmm. Does that increase your voice power? Tell us a little bit about that process. Well, I will tell you, it was fascinating because it was very different from any committee selection negotiation that I've ever experienced in the state Senate. Um, much, much different. But I will tell you that I am very happy that I got the committees that I've been appointed to. I fought hard to get on the agriculture committee in a farm bill year every five years. This is when you want to be on that committee. You want to make sure Hawaii, all of our farmers, ranchers, and producers are represented in this farm bill. Um, so I'm very, very pleased about that. And in particular, I focused in on the nutrition subcommittee, biosecurity. We've got so many threats to ag. 
I'm on that subcommittee. I'm also on the livestock, um, and dairy, and you know, aquaculture. It's a long name. I apologize, but basically, mm -hmm. your cattle, your cows, all of this, your pigs, your chickens, your fish, um, part of that uh, subcommittee as well. So that was really important for me to get on the I committee during a farm bill year. The second committee that I, you know, made sure that we were presented on and was appointed to was the Armed Services Committee, uh, and in particular, the Readiness Subcommittee and the military personnel subcommittee. Because again, everything we can think about, whether it's land leases, whether it's Red Hill, um, whether it's our posture in the Indo-Pacific, it's gonna come through these subcommittees. So that was really, really important for me. Uh, there's definitely more committees that I put my markers down for that I would love to be a part of going forward into the future. But having these two assignments um, were really critical. And um, I was also appointed to a third special select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have yeah. many Democrats on it, um, but it's so important that we really hold the line. What is fact? And more importantly, what did we learn from this pandemic and how are we going to do better going forward? Um, so we in that committee, I really believe as Democrats, we're the voice of reason and most mm -hmm. importantly, you know, the voice of good practice and how we're going to continue to take care of the people of this country. Well, Jill, why you mentioned that there were fewer people on that committee. What What is that all about? People don't want to serve there? Or what, what was the situation? It's just a matter of negotiation and percentages. <laughs> it's not well, that there is not, not a desire to serve. Okay. But we okay. are status, yes. Is that right. an issue? Well, we're, we're a minority, right? Democrats are in the minority. So we do get less representation on many of these committees. Mm -hmm. um, and so we recognize on all the committees we serve on, but especially on some of these select subcommittees, that we have really got to punch above our weight limit because we are going to be outnumbered by the representation of the majority. But more importantly, too, the rhetoric is a lot more divisive in some of these committees. And so how are we really going to to hold the line um, in these conversations? Well, how do you handle that as a newbie? You're just very junior. I mean, that there is a, a status issue there, right? But do you do you feel you can raise your voice? Are, are you I mean, it sounds like you've got all the power to do that yourself. But are you in any way constrained or do you feel like you can can speak your mind and do your representation as you wish? That's a great question. And I will tell you this. I mean, before coming into Congress, you know, obviously we've got concerns about being a freshman, being new, being one of 435. But here's one of the things I've learned really quickly. We all get five minutes. You get five minutes to make a statement, to ask your questions, to let your opinion be known. You have every opportunity to go and talk on the floor for one minute, to debate things. And so whether you got in yesterday or you've been there for 20 years, you still have that ability to make your opinion known, to represent your state, your district well. And I think it's about all of us stepping up and making sure that um, we do that, you know? And so it is uh, definitely something I take seriously. Every time I step into a hearing room and I know we've got an issue that's of great importance to Hawaii, I'm selfish and I make sure they know all about Hawaii, what yeah. we care about, but more importantly, how we can teach the rest of the country in many cases. Absolutely. I love that spirit. Um, you also are working on the farm bill reauthorization. Is that what you mentioned earlier? You said something about five years reauthorization. Yes. So are, are you in that situation allowed those minutes to speak? How, how does that work? Do you get your voice in on that? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, when we've got hearings in front of the Agriculture Committee, um, subcommittees haven't really started yet. But in all of those, as a member, I get my five minutes to ask questions. I have the ability to meet with the chairs and really talk about what our priorities are to make requests. Um, just the other week was able to testify before the House Appropriations Agriculture Subcommittee, talk specifically about Hawaii, what our needs were, what our concerns were. So 
you know, being part of these committees really gives you entree into being able to be a part of the discussion, be in front of decision makers that are actively, you know, calling the shots of a lot of things. So um, definitely important. Well, if you don't mind, um, what are some main points for Hawaii's uh, agriculture? Are, are there is there any interest in supporting our native uh, plants? In other words, I've I've heard programs about we should be planting, you know, uh, yam, the things that sustain the Hawaiians. We should do those. People still eat them, right? The sweet potatoes and the and the and the other uh, delicious uh, uh, fruits that we we. Uh, we rear, but what? What if, are people open to what we're doing and see that as anything interesting, or what do you have to do to get that message across? Absolutely, you know. I first and foremost, I will tell you this, and I learned this, and I share this often. Um, I was listening to a Future Farm Farmers of America student talk um, a couple months ago, and she made a really strong statement to all of us, telling us how easy it was to be a consumer. You can go to the grocery store, you can buy something off the shelf, you can commit to eat local, you can buy something from a restaurant. Producing that food, now that that's tough right there. That's a challenge. And we've got to start to respect um, and give honor to that role. And so, you know, every day when I am fighting as part of the Ag Committee to make sure our agriculture producers, our farmers, our ranchers get the help that they need, I think about it from a producer's lens. You know, I've sat and listened and talked to farmers and ranchers throughout our state, going to continue to do so, and really listening to them in terms of what are the pain points? What are their hopes and opportunities? You know, Stephanie, you brought up a good point that I've heard um, throughout the state as well. Are we creating a space for traditional food systems um, and agricultural growing methods that are indigenous to Hawaii? And I would tell you that across the country, there is a similar, you know, hope that we can go back to those types of traditional foods and crops and staples and how do we support them as well. So that is definitely something that I want to really carve out a space for, not just in a farm bill, but in our agriculture discussion. But more importantly, when we talk to our farmers and ranchers, uh, it's a struggle, you know, just yeah. the, the cost to, to be a farmer, transportation, you know, yeah. various inputs, your fertilizer, your feed, um, you know, labor. We're yeah. suffering from a labor shortage throughout this you know, state, this country hard to get ag workers and find a place for them to live. So ag workforce housing. I mean, when we talk about the many, many basic challenges to agriculture, um, it really is out there. So I'm trying to figure out how do we take a look at the farm bill as an opportunity for us to support our farmers in Hawaii, which vast majority are small to medium-sized farmers. They're not large corporate conglomerates here in Hawaii, but what does that mean to support them and help keep Hawaii in ag? Well, you know, well, one, just one thing that you were never shy in the state legislature. <laughs> and in fact, you were never shy at all, ever, I think. And when you get in there with that five minutes, you can really, you know, get some information in there. And mm -hmm. you, can, you can take them out in the corridor and try to show them that Hawaii is a, is a leading state on so many things including yeah. agriculture, even though we haven't had a lot of agriculture since the plantations. The fact yeah. is we, we know a lot about it. And after the show is uh, over, I'm going to send you a link to the program we did just today um, on a fellow named Jim Wyban, who is uh, with a mm, consortium of agricultural organizations between Hawaii and the mainland okay? and trying to establish collaborations mm -hmm. with the mainland. That's, I think that's what you're talking about. Because Hawaii can help the mainland 
but the mainland can help Hawaii. It's an exchange. Mm-hmm. And you're in a perfect position to take that to the next level. So that committee appointment is really, really, really outstanding. It's the, you're the perfect person. District 2 includes the Big Island. That's mm-hmm. where so much agriculture is taking place. Yes. It could take place. You know. um, the other committee uh, assignment that struck me was, um, of course, there's, there's, there's more too, but uh, uh, it struck me was armed forces because mm-hmm. we, we live in a time when um, it's not clear that things will remain static. We mm-hmm. live in a time when there's uh, friction um, in, in, uh, in the West Pacific and in, uh, Indo-Pacific. And, you know, you, you come to this job with a lot of understanding about how that works and the dynamic of that friction. And mm-hmm. you know, I think we can all, you know, guarantee that that friction will stay around for a while and uh, there'll be issues and, and Congress and, and the government must, you know, take action here or at least, have, you know, develop foreign policy, um, you know, decisions to help us through it. You know, and right now, uh, I don't know if this has come up in your committee on armed forces, but, you know, we have this very troubling leak of, of intelligence information just, just within the last few days. Has that been addressed? What are your thoughts about that? You know, I, I will tell you that whenever I'm back in D.C., even if it's for just a few days of, of a work week, our armed services committee is packed. We are constantly being thrown into whether it's classified briefings or it's subcommittee hearings to address what is pretty much, as you mentioned, a daily occurrence in which we are really trying to ensure that we have a security posture, whether it's the Indo-Pacific, which is very personal to all of us. It's literally right at our doorsteps or looking across the globe. And how are we making sure, you know, again, I said I'm on the readiness subcommittee. It is about making sure that we are ready. Um, it is making sure that we are prepared. It's making sure that all of our, our systems in place are ensuring um, security and fidelity in, in all of our, um, you know, the information that we have. And you know, I take that seriously. Jay, I was with Cyber Hawaii. We had a lot of different kinds of conversations. So um, I can tell you that there's uh, frequent discussions and I know when I go back next week, the docket is gonna be filled um, with these conversations. I know we'll talk more about defense, but I did wanna touch a little bit more about ag. See, I love all that that stuff. But I, you know, you mentioned something important: how we can learn a lot from the United States and vice versa. The United, you know, the rest of the states, the continent can learn so much from us. One of the things that I am trying to really cultivate too is some of the bills that we've been introducing for coffee, cacao, for floriculture, for macadamia nuts. We've actually found like-minded partners in Puerto Rico and other territories. Um, by the way, not all Democrats, right? So bipartisan, but really looking at where we face similar threats how we were gonna support each other. Um, I was talking to someone, I was talking to the Ag um, subcommittee on the appropriations committee, and they asked me, how are we doing when it comes to the threats against agriculture in Hawaii? I said, quite frankly, we're losing the war right now. We need help. We have got so many biosecurity issues and you folks know what you've talked about on the show from disease, blight, infestation, ungulates. I mean, who thought we'd talk about deers and pigs and goats, but they're destroying our ecosystem right now? And the reality is, if we don't do anything about macnuts, and I've talked to some in the industry, they're assuming the next five to 10 years, macnuts will go the way of sugar and pine. Mm. And all of us have roots in the plantations. Mm. Agriculture made a life for us here. Four generations ago, that's how I got to Hawaii and and my family. Um, So making sure that we support those crops, those industries that gave us all a chance, that's critically important. So The other thing that's really critically important here is that 
the fact that we import 90% plus uh, of our food. Yeah. And any any day, any Tuesday, we could have uh, climate change, extreme weather that would mm -hmm. uh, disrupt the food um, supply lines. And we could all be very, very hungry. And yeah. so it's it's that, um, you know, food security thing that's really important. And Hawaii is unique because we're in mm -hmm. Island, you're 2,400 miles from the coast. And and uh, this this is a real problem. So when you get in there, uh, mm -hmm. you may be able to help us uh, be more sustainable, more resilient in terms of um, of being independent, you know, producers of of food. Mm -hmm. Stephanie, yeah, yeah, I, I really such such good points, Jay. Yeah, um, I was interested to know if there's any um, sensitivity. I mean, there must be on those. Well, certainly on the military committee, but uh -huh. we're out here in the middle of the Pacific and China has come in and overridden all kinds of things in all of these South Pacific Island nations. And here uh -huh. we are at the forefront of, you know, pointed right there in the closest to and, and a, a target of all those who want to do us harm. Uh -huh. So, you know, the Japanese figured it out 40, 50, 60 years ago, and there's no reason why they wouldn't be interested somebody. But is, is there a sensitivity to the what I think is a quite a bit of jeopardy that Hawaii has? And is there concern for making sure that we're we're fully protected or would have access to uh, the protections needed to to put, push back against something like a Chinese uh, affront or any any other nation? I mean, there's Korea too. I mean, so anyway, all of those threats. So yep. what are, are you dealing with? Are those kind of like top secret things you can't talk about, but are we really being considered um, as in jeopardy here? You know, I, I definitely think, especially since I've been in this Congress, um, the conversation never has to go very far before uh, the Indo-Pacific, China, North Korea comes up. Uh, it doesn't even have to be the topic of a briefing and it will come up. And so absolutely, yes, in terms of, Hawaii's strategic geopolitical location, we cannot even deny that when we talk about readiness and posture in the Indo-Pacific, Hawaii is a part of that equation. I do think it also provides us with a unique opportunity to have a discussion about what that means to have a military presence in Hawaii um, and how it can be beneficial for both our communities and for our national and local security as well. And so I do, I use this as every opportunity to talk about how um, the Department of Defense can support our local communities, um, be a good neighbor, if you will. And at the same time, in that vein, we are working towards our own local and national security as well. Um, yeah. You know, I will tell you this, that China is definitely a part of the messaging for the majority, for our Republican Party. And I will tell you that one of the big things for myself is making sure personally that it does not bleed over into any kind of xenophobia um, any kind of racial discrimination and hate. I mean, I just think back to Vincent Chin in the 80s. You know, he he was murdered because they thought he was Japanese. And in Detroit, they thought that the Japanese were taking over American car jobs, right? Mm -hmm. um, we have to be very cautious that as this uh, rhetoric, inflamed rhetoric about China builds up from the Republican Party, that it does not bleed over into everyday Americans do you know the difference between a communist Chinese party member versus a Chinese American versus an Asian American? Mm -hmm. I can tell you in too many instances, there is no differentiation. So mm -hmm. words matter, words hurt. And we have got to make sure that as we, yes, con potentially confront China, um, quite frankly, as our, our biggest rival, 
um, in the Indo-Pacific, we do so with care as well. Um, aggression, aggression, conflict with China does not have to be inevitable. So the words we use, the posture we take is critically important, um, both for national security and also as well for the protection of our people. Well, absolutely, because I mean, I'm thinking of situations uh, that are potentially uh, dangerous. For instance, if China does care to do something about Taiwan in a much more uh, aggressive way, I mean, we're probably going to be involved in something uh, with with them as our ally. And that immediately puts Hawaii back in a situation not unlike the, the Vietnam War. I mean, so that we could turn be turned into overnight you know, a reception area for the U.S. forces that are coming to help with what it might be. But I, I'm just saying there's so many scenarios that I hope mm-hmm. that the War College is working on and looking at this place as a very, very strategic, as you say, importantly strategic location, and that there are millions, a million people here, at least, that are um, trying to live a life and be home. At the well, same well, I- time, Jill, you know, mm-hmm. well, your committee on forces and those subcommittees are totally relevant to what's going on in Ukraine. And, you know, Ukraine is where is where the future of democracy is. Mm-hmm. Ukraine is uh, where the you know, liberal world order lives. And I wonder if your committee or the various armed forces committees have addressed that and your thoughts about it. You know, we've started to have briefings on Ukraine. We're taking up various, um, you know, um, theaters, if you will, and really taking a look at our posture in terms of readiness, in terms of what would be needed to really build us up to put us in the best positioned place going forward. Um, In fact, there was a hearing on Ukraine that we had just recently. All these hearings are starting to merge together, uh, but it's definitely um, foremost, you know, in people's thoughts, in people's minds and opinions. Um, I will say this, just not to to go back to the Indo-Pacific, but I will say this. Um, you're right, Stephanie, Hawaii is right in the middle of it. I also think we hold the key to how we balance things out. If you consider just the knowledge right here, we have East-West Center, we have APCSS, right? The Asia-Pacific Center for Strategic Studies. Um, if we are going to have a solution in terms of how we get through this and potentially avoid conflict, it's going to be because of the knowledge um, that we have here. The local knowledge, the cultural ties and history that we as a state have, our people have with the Indo-Pacific, um, I really would put all my money on Hawaii in terms of the leadership needed to get us through this and prevent any kind of conflict. Uh, yes, and, and and be a resource for the for the mm-hmm. nation. And I know you mentioned East West Center, and Jay has had the president, the new president of the East West Center, to um uh, uh some think tech activities. So, it, beefing that back up again. I mean that would that was a fabulous. Uh, source for people across the, um, the Pacific to to do many things. Anyhow, there are many people that, you know, were supported by East West Center, but it yeah. seems like uh, there's not much going on there now. But I mean, that seems like that's a resource that could be beefed up if that's anything of interest. But what I also wanted to ask before we go, I wanted to ask you about the bills that you've introduced in addition to um, all of the, all of this other work that you've done. You've made <laughs> We're not getting bills well, submitted to the Congress. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, we've signed quite a few bills. I will tell you this, more time than we've got left. Uh, reintroduced the blunt quantum bill, which is critically important. I talked about some of the other bills on coffee, cacao, macadamia nut, uh, floriculture that we've introduced. And I will tell you, I have a lot more, especially in regards to access to healthcare and mental health services. So stay tuned. We're keeping quite busy and we're not done yet. 
Well, that, that's yeah, that's. We want to stay tuned, Jill, because we know that you you are you are the lens through which we can see what's going on there, and you can help us from time to time in understanding. This is a Yiddish word, the Mishigas, uh, which means craziness uh, in Congress, <laughs> and hopefully, uh, you know, within your within your uh, your your term, uh, you'll be able to correct some of that Mishigas and develop good policy. We need that so badly, and we are so happy that you are there. Thank you. Yes, and you're following in the footsteps of some very, very strong women who made considerable career uh, paths there for you to take and build upon, um, Patsy Mink, and um, Mm -hmm. that. So I look forward to your having taken advantage of those opportunities. You certainly seem to have all of the energy and and. yeah, capacity to to get at it already. You're um, doing uh, way way beyond what is on in your box. That's for sure. So we really appreciate that work that you're telling us about, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to come back and and talk with us again. Yeah. Maybe you know get get a, another um, bit of information from you, especially on this program, which is the state of the state of Hawaii, and knowing what it is that we're managing to be attentive to in Hawaii, as I mean, in Washington, D.C. for Hawaii is really important. I mean, for instance, this art contest that that okay. has mentioned as uh, Hawaii's included in that. And there's going to be, um, is that the congressional art contest? Who's the, the congressional art competition is underway now. I hope that we've got students across our state ready to um, submit their entries. We've got the congressional app competition later on this summer. I mean, there's so much going on that we can really showcase and highlight uh, the wonderful talents and skills of of our Hawaii students and residents. Well, I think that that's a wonderful opportunity for the young people and a way to um, get a little bit involved in education, too. So that's a whole nother topic we can take on at another. (laughs) But um, it looks like we have a little bit of time left. Jay, do you have any other questions for Jill? Yeah. How you know, how much time are you spending with the other members of the delegation? How much information are you passing to them and how much are they passing to you? You know, um, there's definitely good communication that takes place amongst the congressional delegation. Oftentimes I will find it on the floor. Uh, As you can imagine, there's a lot of people on the floor. So there's a lot of walking around and talking and, um, you know, making all kinds of good trouble. Uh, But definitely, um, you know, usually find it on the floor talk about what he's doing in district uh, and whatnot. So I'm definitely enjoying the camaraderie amongst our four. And I think as I've been taught by all of them and those that came before me, it's really how can we connect with the rest of this country so we can amplify our four and make it so much bigger and stronger and really get stuff done uh, for our state. Yeah, and you're talking about the Hawaii delegation then Mm -hmm. when you ask for. Well, are the other people uh, treating you nicely also? Are you welcome? (laughs) That's a loaded question, Stephanie. (laughs) I mean, like, certainly the the women must be, there must be some women's uh, groups or caucuses that uh, you're invited into. Absolutely. I've got a, you know, I will tell you, as I kind of started off talking about, I've got a great freshman class. You know, there's about 74 of us. That came in so quite a significant number. And I have just appreciated just the connection that we have, even when we're not in D.C., texting each other, letting each other know how it's going, what's going on in district. So um, I've just been really blessed to have so many new friends, ones that I know will be around for quite some time um, that will be able to get some real good work done together. 
Well, Jill, thank you so much for all of this information and at, at the level of detail you've provided and the insight that you've shown about what needs to happen going forward. And you know your opportunity there. And all of Hawaii is looking to make sure that you can take advantage of it and do it. Um, Jay Fidel has been our co-host with me today, and we appreciate your presence very much. We'll look to have you back and do it again. This is the State of the State of Hawaii show on ThinkTech Hawaii, and I'm your host, Stephanie Stoll-Dalton. We are bi-weekly, so come back here in two weeks and see our show. Aloha, everybody. Thank you for your viewing. Thank you very much, Jill. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo. Thank you.